Well, today is Mother's Day, and uh, our topic today is the problem of evil and suffering. You see, we're in a series looking at questions that people have about the Christian faith, and uh, the topic that we're going to look at today is the, the problem of evil and suffering. It almost changed the topic today, you know. Uh, my, my brother is a pastor in uh, Long Beach, uh, California, and uh, actually Sierra, Sierra Madre, California, and, and I asked him, what are you preaching on Mother's Day? And he said, well, Brent, I'm going to talk about rest today. And, you know, these mothers, you know, they're working so hard, and I'm going to talk about how God can give us rest. And he said, Brent, what are you going to talk about? And I said, oh, the topic of evil and suffering. <laughs> and he said, you may want to consider changing that topic. It's a little dark for Mother's Day. But actually, I think there's not a better topic to look at on Mother's Day than suffering. Because in many ways, motherhood is about suffering. Uh, There's a a famous painting by Titian, uh, painted in 1554, and it's called Madonna in Sorrow. It's going to come up on the screen. And uh, it it was painted to, to, uh, you know, show the, the, the pain and the sorrow. Is it up on the screen? Yeah, there it is. You can barely see it. But the, the pain and the sorrow that, that Mary went through as her son was, was suffering, as, his son was, as her son was crucified. And in some ways, this is a, a picture of the pain and the suffering that many, many mothers have experienced over the, over the centuries. C.S. Lewis said that to love anything is to suffer. Anytime you decide to love, you open your heart up and you make yourself vulnerable. You open yourself up to pain and heartache, and whatever you love is going to cause you pain and suffering. And so in many ways, a motherhood is, is an invitation into the, uh, the pain and suffering of love. But it's not only mothers that suffer on Mother's Day. There are many of us who are not mothers, and for various reasons, we are are in pain today, and maybe that's where you're at. You've come here, and just as you sit in the seat this morning, there's some circumstance, there's some issue that you're dealing with, and, and maybe you're, you're suffering today. You know, p- suffering and pain is just part of life. It's not just mothers. It's not just some people. All of us at some point or another will experience pain and sorrow. P- a suffering is sort of like the Great Wall of China. You can't get around it. And, the, you know, as the great work of art, The Princess Bride, once said, life is pain, highness, and anyone who tells you differently is selling you something. Life is pain. And no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard we've worked to be healthy, wealthy, and comfortable, something will inevitably ruin it. Right? No matter how much money you have or how many resources you have or where you are in life, suffering is inevitable. Pain is inevitable. Pain is a problem, so we need to learn how to cope with it. Now today, uh, we're looking at the problem of evil and suffering, and and originally I I wanted to talk about sort of the philosophical and logical problems with pain. And it is true that, that, that pain and suffering is a logical problem for Christianity. If God is good and loving, and if God is all powerful, then why in the world is there pain and suffering? It's been a logical problem for a very, very long time, and it is an issue, but, but what I want to look at today, after I was kind of looking at, at every, every direction I could go in, I don't so much want to answer the logical problem of evil and suffering. I want to instead look at how we can face evil and suffering in our lives. I want to go in a practical direction. I want to talk about how Christianity equips us 
and strengthens us and enables us to get through the inevitable pain that we will experience in life. Now, somebody says, Brent, that's a cop-out. You're avoiding the question. You're avoiding the logical issue here. Well, I don't think it is, actually. Because the test of any belief system, the test of any worldview, the test of any culture is, is how well it equips its adherents to deal with pain and suffering. If a belief system does not equip its adherents to deal with pain, then it loses its credibility. Then it loses its believability, and you probably should consider getting a new one. And what's interesting is our own Western culture gives us very little resources to deal with the problem of pain. Our modern secular worldview with, you know, where that's eliminated God and transcendence gives us very little resources to deal with, with our suffering. Uh, there's a, a doctor, his name is Dr. Paul Brand. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he did groundbreaking breaking work in um, the area of treating uh, leprosy. And he spent the first half of his career in India treating leprosy patients. And then the second half of his career, he went to the U.S. and uh, worked with Americans. And this is what he said. He said, in the United States, I encountered a society that seeks to avoid pain at all costs. Patients lived at a, at a greater level of comfort than any that I had previously treated, but they seemed far less equipped to handle suffering and far more traumatized by it. So if the test of any worldview is how well it equips its people to deal with suffering, then our Western culture is not doing very well at this. Christianity, on the other hand, doesn't have that problem. Because the Bible, from the, almost the very beginning to the very end, is a book about suffering. Genesis 3, all the way to the book of Revelation, there is suffering almost on every single page. And Scripture is chock full of, of teaching and resources and uh, examples and, and resources to help us deal with the suffering that we go through. And today what I want to do is I want to look at a very famous passage where uh, Paul the Apostle is going through some suffering and, he's, and he talks about how Christianity gave him the resources and equipped him really well to deal with the pain that he was going through. And so notice here down in our passage, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So Paul, here he says, I want you to know the pain that I've been going through. And he says, I want you to know that it wasn't just, you know, some circumstantial thing. There were things going on on the outside, but it was also things going on on the inside. He said, it was just, it was tearing me apart. He said, I don't even know how I was going to survive it. I felt like I was going to die. Emotionally, it was tearing, tearing me apart. I felt like I was falling apart. And so here's, here is Paul just going through it, going through immeasurable pain and suffering. He doesn't tell us what it is. Uh, but later on in the book, he, he gives this long litany of things that have, had gone on in his life. He says this, I have been in prison frequently. This is chapter 11. Flogged severely and exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been 
constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. You think you've had a bad week. He goes on, I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food and I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. He says, I've gone through all of these things and on top of that, I'm worried about you guys all the time. So Paul was a man who went through a lot of suffering. It was his life almost over, you know, it spilled over with suffering. But in the passage, what he says is that my Christian faith, Jesus Christ, gave me comfort in my sorrow. In fact, he says, just as my suffering overflowed, the comfort that my faith gave me in the suffering overflowed too. And so here's the question. What did his faith give him that gave him such comfort? What resources that did his Christian faith give him that, that equipped him to deal with the suffering that he was going through here. I want to give you four things. Uh, four things today. It's Mother's Day, so I can give you four points instead of three. Uh, so, so the first thing that, that, uh, that Christ gave Paul to handle his suffering, this is a test of any good worldview, is it equips you to handle the pain that will inevitably come. The first thing that his suffering, that, is, that Christianity gave him to handle the suffering was a dignity that he had in the suffering. So notice he says, I do not want, he gives all of this suffering and says he was depressed and he was low and he was going through it. And he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. I do not want you to be unaware. You see, Paul, uh, what's going on in the letter here that he's writing, 2 Corinthians, is he was being attacked. And uh, the, the people that he was writing to, uh, they felt that he had lost his authority, that he'd lost his credibility, that he wasn't a real apostle, that God wasn't with him. And the reason being is because he was going through incredible suffering. And in that day and age, if you suffered, if you were going through uh, some sort of pain or tragedy, people believed that there was something wrong with you. Uh, you must have done something wrong. You must have, uh, you must, God must not be with you because if God was really with Paul and if God is really with you, then certainly these things would not be going on in your life. Now, this goes all the way back to the book of Job. In the book of Job, you remember his, Job was suffering and his friends, they look at Job and they say, Job, um, you're suffering and it must be because you've done something wrong. You see, we're not suffering and it's because we've done something right, and you are, you're going through tragedy, it's because you've, you've sinned in some way, you've sinned in some capacity. And this was a common belief back in the ancient world. Even in the Gospels, there's one occasion where uh, Jesus was walking by a blind man. His disciples were following him, and they looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Do you see the assumption there? He, either his parents or he did something wrong because if he had been a righteous man, then certainly he wouldn't be going through this. This, uh, this belief that if you're suffering, something is wrong with you is still alive and well today. So karma, for example, uh, says that uh, you, you, the reason why you're suffering is because you've done something wrong in a past life. Right, and so if, you're, if, if, you're, if you believe in karma and you're going through suffering, you're asking, well, what have I done wrong and what did I do to deserve this and what's wrong with me? Because karma teaches that if you suffer, it's because you've done something wrong. A lot of Christians have this perspective as well. You know, a lot of times in churches, you're embarrassed to, to tell people that you're depressed. 
or that you're going through some sort of suffering because there's, this under, uh, there's almost this undercurrent of, uh, of, of paganism is what it is. And it's like, you know, if you, if, you appe- if, you do your, if you have your quiet time and you read your Bible and if you appease the God, then your life will go well. And if your life isn't going well, it's because obviously you're in sin or you've done something wrong. But hear what Paul says. It's, he says, look, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I'm suffering. Because when I am suffering, he says, I am sharing the affliction of Jesus. You see, Christianity breaks that toxic logic that if you're suffering, it must be because of something wrong you've done. In the Bible, there are all sorts of very righteous people that suffered. Job, very beginning of the book, and then you've got David, and and all all the way through the Psalms. And think about it, Jesus Christ, the most righteous man who ever lived, he's better than all of us, and yet he lived a life of incredible suffering. And Paul says that I am not ashamed of my suffering because I stand shoulder to shoulder with righteous people throughout the ages and even Jesus Christ. When I suffer, I know that I'm sharing with him. I'm sharing with him. And so he's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed because with Christianity, uh, there is dignity in suffering. And this doesn't mean that we're happy because we suffer. You know, Paul is not a masochist here. But he knows that he doesn't suffer alone. Just as Jesus suffered, he, he suffers, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Second, well, second of all, he, Christ not only gave him dignity in suffering, but, but Christ also gave Paul fellowship in his suffering. Fellowship in suffering. Now, uh, the, the word fellowship here uh, means uh, sharing. It means uh, solidarity. It means somebody is with you. You know, so if I, you know, if, if we're in fellowship, you know, we're friends, we're together, I, I'm in it with you. And what Paul says here is that when he suffers as a Christian, he knows that he's not alone. There is a fellowship in suffering because, again, he suffers with Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul says here. He says, in verse 4, he says, there's God who comforts us in all of our afflictions that we may be able to comfort those who are in, are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. For as we share abundantly, so notice the word share there, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share in the abundance of comforts too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, comforted it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same afflictions that we suffer. So Paul says that when I suffer, I share the sufferings of Jesus. In a very real way, if you're a Christian, you are entering into the sufferings of Jesus when you suffer. Jesus Christ is with you in your pain. Because no, like no other religion, what Christianity says is that God is not aloof. God is not out there. Uh, you know, disconnected from the world and disconnected from your life. It says that God literally in Jesus came into the world and he experienced all the same sufferings that we experience. You know, he lived in poverty and uh, his father died at a young age and he, he experienced betrayal and the death of, of loved ones and eventually he went to the cross. So in Jesus Christ, God literally suffers with humanity. He is not away in distance, and and because of that, he can really be with us in our pain. He's the only God who understands what it's like to be a human being. He's there. 
when um, my wife had our, our, our children, she, uh, all of her, her babies were C-section and uh, involved a, a lot of, uh, you know, surgery, surgery was involved. It was very painful. And I was with her in every single one of the, uh, uh, those operating rooms when, when she had every single one of our four children. And the problem with me, though, as a husband, husband being with my wife in the operating room is that I cannot stand the sight of blood. And so I was there, you know, and, you know, if you've ever been in the, in the operating room, there's a sheet that they put in front of, uh, you know, the, the rest of your wife's body as she's having the, the baby. And so I'm there sitting behind the sheet. All I can see is her head, but there's a little uh, tube that's dripping there, blood. And so as, as she was having her baby, I remember just looking over at the blood and getting woo- woozy. And the problem with that is, there, you know, almost every single time during the operation, the doctor, uh, they would stop looking at Anita and all, all of them would look at me and say, he looks a little green. Uh, are you okay, sir? And so they would, somebody go over and help this guy. And so they, the doctor would come over and break the smelling salts for me. And the problem was, although I was there with Anita, I wasn't there. She was alone in her pain. There's a, uh, a documentary of, of uh, Amy Winehouse. Some of you may know who she is. She's a singer-songwriter who a few years ago uh, committed suicide. And uh, she was one of those very gifted uh, uh, um, uh, artists, and she had success at a very young age, and then throughout her 20s, she just spiraled down into alcohol and drugs until eventually she, uh, she took her own life. And there was a documentary made about uh, Amy Winehouse where she talks about her, her life, and at the very beginning of the documentary, she makes this very, uh, uh, it was a very illuminating uh, confession. She said, you know, my dad, he was there, but he wasn't there. And that was, all I, that was all I needed. And a lot of us feel that way about our Heavenly Father. He's there, but he's not there. But Christianity tells us that, that God literally came into this world. And that means that God knows what it's like to experience pain and suffering. God knows what it's like to experience the, 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 the darkness of this world. And so John Stott at one point says, he said, if I could never believe in God myself if it were not for the cross. The, the only God I believe in is the one Nietzsche ridiculed as the God on the cross in the real world of pain How could one worship a God who was immune to it? God is not immune to our pain. And one of the resources that Christianity gives us in suffering is that God knows what it's like, and therefore, he could be the perfect high priest in times of pain. You know, some people love you, but they have no idea what it's like to be in your shoes. And some people know what it's like to be in your shoes, but they don't love you. But God both loves you, and he knows what it's like to be a human being. And therefore, he is the perfect one to walk with you through pain. And so God, uh, God, Jesus Christ, number two, gave Paul fellowship in his suffering. The third thing that, that Paul got from his faith, from Jesus and suffering, was meaning. As you read through the passage here, uh, we see that Paul is able to make meaning out of his suffering. And when you think about, you know, our Western worldview where uh, life is kind of random and there's no purpose or direction to life, everything is chance, uh, when it comes to suffering, there's really, there's really no meaning in it. There's no purpose in it. But notice what Paul says. He says that God comforted us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. And if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And so do you notice what Paul is saying here? He's saying that we went through suffering. And he says that when we went through suffering, we experienced God's comfort. We don't know what that was. I mean, maybe it was like I'm saying, he, knew, he experienced Christ being with him. Maybe it was a person that God sent into his life, but he, as he went through pain and suffering, he experienced comfort in his pain. He experienced things that helped. And whenever you go through pain, uh, you know that there are things that help. You know, maybe it's certain words that help, or maybe it's a certain scripture that helps, or maybe it's someone just sitting with you and not saying anything that helps. But as you go through, through pain, there are things that you find comforting. And what Paul says is, when I went through that suffering, I was comforted. I experienced comfort in my pain. And then what I did is I took that same comfort, and I used that comfort to help other people in their pain. In other words, Paul viewed his suffering as redemptive. In other words, just as Jesus Christ, by his wounds, we are healed. Right? Christ suffers for us. Christ gives his life for us. And by his wounds, we are healed. Paul says that my wounds made me better able to heal other, other people who are going through suffering. In another place, Paul says to the Corinthians, death was working in me, but life is working in you. He says, my suffering in some sense was for you. Because I, again, I was able to take the comfort that God gave me in my pain and able to, to use that same comfort to comfort other people and their pain. And we know this is true, don't we? When you are in the hospital, the person that walks through those doors to give you comfort, you want them to be a person that has gone through some measure of pain themselves. Uh, there's a story of Mar that Martin Lloyd-Jones tells. He's a, he's a, a, preacher, a Welsh preacher, and he was uh, towards uh, kind of his latter years of retirement and ministry, and he was training other members to be uh, men to be ministers. And one of the things he would do is that he would listen to oral exams from other pastors. And there was one young preacher who came into this oral exam, and he was brilliant. He gave all the right answers. He was, he was sharp, and he, he was gifted, and as he walked out of the room, um, all the other people on the panel said, wow, that boy is destined for greatness. Boy, he's really gifted. Let's approve him right away. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, I think he needs to suffer a little bit before God could use him. Because you could have all the right answers, but suffering is able to make you someone who's empathetic. And you're able to take that comfort that God used in your own life when you experience suffering, and you become useful to other people. Paul says, Christ comforted me. Yes, I went through suffering, but the comfort came in there too, and I was able to take that comfort and use it for you guys when you are afflicted. And there are things that, that we all go through. I want you to think about the wounds in your life. All of us carry wounds. Uh, maybe there are wounds from um, an absent father, or maybe there are wounds from a betrayal that you experience in life, or maybe there's a, there are wounds from an illness that you went through or a loss of a job. Think about the wounds in your life. How might God want to use your wounds and the things that you learned and the comfort that you got with your wounds in order to heal someone else? You see, there are certain wounds that only you can heal, 
And there are certain hands that only you can hold. There are certain people that only you can help because, because of what you've gone through. In our membership class, we do a little exercise called DESIGN. It's a little acronym. And it talks about how um, your unique story and your unique experiences and your unique gifts can, can be used in order to uh, make a contribution to the church and to the world. And one of the things that we ask people in, in our discovery class is, what have you gone through in life? What are your unique experiences? What are your unique wounds? What are your unique sufferings? And how might God want to use your story, the wounds in your story, in a redemptive way for somebody else who might be going through a similar situation? And so Paul was able to see, now he's not saying, oh yeah, God sent this suffering into my life for, you know, on purpose, you know. In another place, Paul talks about a chronic illness that he had, and he doesn't say that God put that illness in his life. He says that the devil put that in his life. He's, he was, this illness was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. So he didn't see the affliction as coming from God, and yet God was able to use that affliction. God was able to comfort him in that affliction in order that he might take that wound and become a wounded healer. Paul says, I experienced this suffering and God comforted me. And so I'm taking that comfort and I'm using that comfort to comfort somebody else. He found meaning in suffering. Finally, he found hope in his suffering. So notice here at the very end, uh, Christ gave him hope. He says, indeed, indeed we, we had, this is verse uh, nine, indeed we have received the sentence of death, uh, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And you also will help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on my, our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. So Paul says that God delivered him. Now we don't know what exactly he was going through, but apparently through the prayers of God's people, he was delivered. Uh, he was in a very dark place. He, he thought he thought he wouldn't survive this, but through the power of God and through the prayers of his people, Paul says, I was delivered. But notice he says, God delivered me, not only past tense, but he says, I know that God will deliver me in the future. And what Paul is talking about here is our ultimate deliverance. He's talking about our, our inextinguishable hope. He's talking about uh, what awaits for all of us at the very end. He says, what Christianity gives us is a hope beyond the suffering of this world. Right, so our, most, our modern Western world says that this life is all there is. If you happen to experience lots of pain in this life, well, this is what you've got. But Christianity says there is hope beyond the walls of the world. There is hope on the other side of suffering for all of us. Even if Christ doesn't heal you, one day every single one of us will be healed and God's entire creation will be healed. You know, when you're going through a small uh, piece of suffering, you need a little bit of hope, don't you? You know, when, I'm, when I work out, I, I'm on the elliptical, and I work out for 20 minutes, and there's a little uh, digital clock that says 19 minutes left, 18 minutes left, you know. 20 minutes is almost over. That's how long I work out for. It's not enough, I know. 
When you're going through a little suffering, you need a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. But when you're going through major suffering, when your life looks like Paul's, when there are waves upon waves of sorrow, what you need is an inextinguishable hope. You need a hope beyond the walls of this world. And what Christianity does is it points you to the end and it says there is a hope big, bigger than than the greatest suffering in the world. There is a hope that God will wipe away every tear, that in the very end, God, as, as Sam says in The Lord of the Rings, God will make everything sad come untrue. Your suffering will end. Uh, there's a story of uh, jo- uh, J- uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, and she, she talks about the hope that she experienced in suffering. She was a, a paraplegic. She jumped off of a dock when she was 17, and she broke her neck, and so she, she lived, she's living her life in paralysis. And somebody asked her, well, how do you find hope, Johnny? And she says, I know I'm suffering now, but Christ gives me hope for the future. The Bible speaks of our bodies as being glorified in heaven, In high school, that always seemed like a hazy foreign concept for me, but now being a paraplegic, I realize that I will be healed on the expiration day. I haven't been cheated out of being a complete person. I'm just going through a 40 or 50 year delay. Paul at one point in all of his suffering says this light momentary affliction is working for us a far more eternal weight of glory. Glory, hope, a future beyond the walls of the world. Christianity gives you this. And it's not available, like I said, in our Western culture. So Christianity gives us resources in our suffering. And and this is the test of of any good worldview, right? This is how you know it's worth something, right? When when a worldview, when a belief system doesn't equip you for pain, it loses its credibility, But Christianity gives us dignity in our suffering. It gives us, what else? Class. Fellowship in our suffering. It gives us meaning in suffering and hope in suffering. I want to end with a story. This is uh, from uh, a man named Jürgen Moltmann. He's a theologian. And uh, he was a man who, uh, he worked for uh, the Nazis. He flew for the Nazis as a pilot in World War II. And his plane was shot down, and he ended up in a, in a British prison. And as he was sitting there, he was, he was uh, miserable, as you can imagine. Not only because he was suffering in prison, but also because they put on the wall of his prison cell uh, pictures of the concentration camps. And so he realized there in the prison that he was fighting for the wrong side. Guilt, suffering, misery. And so in his suffering, he was looking for some sort of comfort. And he was looking in uh, Nietzsche for, for comfort. He didn't find it. Read Nietzsche there in prison. No surprise there. He read the, the poems of Gorte. Is that, is that how you, or Goethe? He didn't find it there. But then he picked up a Bible. A, a, a chaplain in the prison uh, gave him a Bible and he started to read the Bible. And there he found comfort. And this is what he said. He says, Then I came to the story of the Passion. And when I read Jesus' cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I knew with certainty that this is someone who understands me. I began to understand the assailed Christ because I felt that he understood me. This was the divine brother in distress who takes the prisoners with him on the way to resurrection. 
I began to summon up the courage to live again and to seize that great hope. This early fellowship with Jesus, the brother in suffering and the redeemer of guilt has never left me. I never decided for Christ as as is often demanded of us, but I am sure that then and there in that dark pit of my soul, he found me. And then he says, Christ's God-forsakenness shows me where God is and where he would be in the future. So he says, Jesus Christ gave me hope to summons up the courage to live again. And so I don't know where you are today on this Mother's Day. I, I don't know if you're sitting here in pain and suffering or what circumstance you're going through or like Paul, you're sitting there saying, I don't know how I'm gonna survive this. I want to encourage you to drive deeper into Christ. There are resources in the Christian faith to help you survive your suffering. What resource might you need to draw on this week? Maybe you need to just know that there is nothing wrong with you. If you're going through pain, there's nothing wrong with you. Jesus suffered. Or maybe you need to know that he's with you, that he's walking right there with you. He is the brother in distress. Maybe you need hope. Maybe you need an extinguishable hope and you need to remind yourself of that. Christianity has resources. It has what you need to get through the inevitable suffering in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, so much for uh, this this passage from Paul, uh, this man who really uh, went through some pretty horrendous uh, circumstances. And as he went through them, he wasn't, Untouched by the pain, he says he despaired even of life. He didn't think he was going to survive it. And Father, I pray that wherever your people are this morning, that you would comfort them. God, that you would uh, strengthen them, that you would let them know that, God, you love them and that you're with them. I pray that you'd fill them with hope. And God, I pray that you would use um, all the comfort that we receive to make us wiser, more empathetic, a more redemptive agents of healing in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.